Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Our next guest is giving the world a much-needed jolt of positivity. She's the editor-in-chief at Women's Day Magazine, host of the Off the Gram podcast, and the author of Your Fully Charged Life, a fantastic new guide packed with small changes we can all make to make the most of every day. This is Motivational Mondays. I'm your host, Max Erzak, and joining us is Megan Murphy. I would love to hear the story of how you became this glowing optimist. It's a long one. I hope you have coffee. Um, No, so the thing is, people who know me now, I I am am definitely somebody who seemingly farts rainbows, right? I am full of optimism and joy. I'm very high energy. I'm very grateful and present. Um, But I trained to live this way. And it was a very long journey for me. My nickname as a kid was Grumpy, and I wore very proudly a gold necklace with a grumpy charm. I had some very, very angsty and tumultuous teen years. I had big, surging uh, emotions that I didn't know what to do with, and that translated into a raging eating disorder, um, which landed me in the hospital. And my best friend and I were, you know, partners in crime on the eating disorder front, and um she tragically um, jumped out of a car and died en route to be hospitalized with me. So I'm 16, I'm hospitalized, I have this raging eating disorder, I've just lost my best friend, the first real loss I've experienced in my young life. Um, And it it was tough, it was tough. You know, I spent the year in and out of the hospital, um, doing a lot of work in therapy to become what I would call then a functioning human. I was still very angsty and sullen and negative. The glass was absolutely always half full. Um, but I began to function again in, in life. And at that point, I wrote an essay about it. And, and writing has always been very healing for me and very a very powerful therapeutic force. And so I wrote this essay about my experience that wound up earning me a $10,000 college scholarship. I was named a Horatio Alger National Scholar. And the next thing I know, I'm on an NBC Friday night TV special being congratulated by Don Johnson and Bob Costas and some country singer named Trisha Yearwood singing. And I'm like, whoa, this is kind of a big deal. When you make your message, wow, pretty cool things can happen. Um, and from there, I got a lot of national attention. I wound up, YM Magazine at the time was young and modern, they called and wanted to tell my story. And I said, well, that's super great, but I'm going to write it. And I would love to start on Monday as your new intern. Cool. Okay. Be there. And I, and I shut up and that's what sort of springboarded my magazine career. I've been in the media for 25 years now. And it, it started with that, Hey, can we tell your story? Yes, but I'm going to write it. And I start on Monday. Um, you know, and so that was sort of the trajectory of the career. And, you know, and from there, I went on to eventually be at Cosmopolitan Magazine. And I really credit that job a lot because it, at that point in my life, in my young 20s as an editor at Cosmo, I was assigned a story called The Seven Secrets of Happiness. And I completely rolled my eyes, like definitely like 
rolled my eyes. Like, who wants to read this crap? This story is going to suck, but fine. Like, it's my assignment. I'm going to write it. And in in researching that article and looking into the field of positive psychology for the first time, I had like a pseudo aha moment. I'm not Oprah, so I don't like to be like, aha, and the floodgates opened and life changed. But I definitely had this, this moment of like, wow, some people are happy and they choose to live that way. What does that look like? And, and it dawned on me for the first time that happiness was very active. It wasn't this passive state of being, be happy. It was a very active state of doing. You can do happy. You can make choices. You can take action steps every single day to move the happiness needle. And even when crap things are happening around you and in your world, you can make choices that make those things easier to manage. I I got really geeked out over Martin Seligman and the field of positive psychology and some of his research. He was the forefather of of positive psychology. And that really planted the seeds of a fully charged life for me. What's really interesting about that is the common theme throughout that story is you became an optimist through tragedy, Mm -hmm. right? Which a lot of people, it, it is a choice, right? You can either choose to be unhappy and dwell on it, or you can choose happiness and you chose the latter. Can you explain for our listeners just very high level, what is positive psychology? So positive psychology is sort of, so the field of psychology initially, right? The early psychology looked at what was wrong with people and how you could fix them, right? Positive psychology looks at what's right with people and how to emulate that. So someone like Martin Seligman is looking at what makes people flourish, What are the key characteristics of happy people? So it's really, it's an optimistic approach to helping people, right? What's right with people and how, how do we, how do we duplicate it versus what's wrong with people and how do we fix it? I love that approach. So what do these so-called, they call it flourishing, right? Flourishing is like the research word for happy, but what do flourishing people have in common? It's pretty cool. He calls it PERMA, the PERMA theory of wellness, and the P is for positive emotions, and the E is for engagements, and the R is for relationships, the M is for meaning, and the A is for accomplishments. And really what that kind of boils down to is that happy people have these things in common. They have really strong relationships. We need other people. Other people are always the answer. We need other people, whether it's your mother-in-law or your neighbor or the cashier. We need other people. Meaning. Like we need to have a purpose. You need a purpose. My purpose is to leave a legacy of positive energy. And because I'm clear on that, it drives me forward. Accomplishment, guess what? We all need those pats on the back, those gold stars. You know, you get them so clearly as a kid, we still need them as adults. How do you get that pat on the back? How do we cheer each other on? How do we high five each other to know we're accomplishing things and that matters? You know, and then the positive emotions is that whole bucket of things, gratitude, Happy people are grateful. If you appreciate what you're lucky enough to have in this world, what you're lucky enough to get to do, you will inch the happiness needle. Um, So it's a lot of these different things that that make up the field of positive psychology. But in a nutshell, it's what's right with happy people and how do we steal that secret sauce? And so my book is really, it's a toolkit that looks at these key areas of our lives and gives little strategies, little life hacks little fun filtered tidbits for creating that magic in your own world. That's really cool. Have you ever looked into what are called blue zones around the world? I know a little bit about, like I I, I couldn't rattle off what those blue zones are, but yes. 
Yeah, so so blue zones are essentially areas around the world where people, on average, live to be over one hundred years old. Which is what, what are the places though? It's like they're, uh, they're I I can't remember. It's but not like, Westfield, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it's all over the world. It's not just like in, in Tibet, right? Like in in, mm-hmm. the, in the mountains somewhere. It's um, it's it's actually very interesting. But one of the things that is in common is you, you, you sort of nailed it. Like we need other people, community is such a huge aspect of it. And it doesn't have to be a religious community. It's just you have something in common with people in this group. And that actually makes you happier because you have other people to support you, right? Exactly. The whole Love Charge chapter of the book um, is about relationships. So yes, it's going to be about your family and your core people and and treating them like a team. But a big thing I talk about and, and something that's really, really important to me is the power of weak ties. So researchers call them weak ties, which I think is sort of a false name because they're so strong and they're so powerful. And that really is about how you treat one person is how you treat all people. What does it mean when you check in at checkout at the grocery store? That if you you register the cashier's humanity and you engage and you use their name tag as a gift and say, hi, Ed, good morning. How are you? And, 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 and engage in a conversation and, and acknowledge them. We need to acknowledge other people. We need to treat other people with kindness. And it doesn't mean you have to like go braid their hair and have a barbecue. It just means you've acknowledged them, right? It feels good to be acknowledged. I can remember the first day out of lockdown when we were cleared to like leave the house. I walked down to my local, you know, drugstore Barron's and was just like, Teresa, Myra, (laughs) how's everybody doing? How's everybody doing? Like, and I call it the cheers effect in the book where you have a place where people know your name and they know yours and you acknowledge each other. And again, these are not necessarily people you're having over for Sunday dinner. These are just people who know your name and you know theirs and you acknowledge each other because you're all in this together. How good does it feel when the barista knows your order and writes your name on the cup and you didn't say a word? We have to acknowledge each other. We're on this planet together. And it's a nicer, kinder, happier place when we can give each other those little courtesies. Look up when you're walking down your street and acknowledge your neighbor, right? Just look up. Smile with your eyes. Smiles. And, and the thing I stand very firmly on right now is that the mask is a gift to introverts. This is giving you the most beautiful safety net to practice engaging, to practice stepping outside of yourself and engaging with another person. Use that as a safety net. Practice. Because it's going to feel good for you and it's going to feel good for them. We need to acknowledge each other's humanity. I absolutely love that. Daily gratitude is such a frequent theme on this show because there's an overwhelming amount of data that ties gratitude to overall happiness. How do you practice gratitude every day? So this is very, very interesting to me because I I truly believe gratitude is the secret sauce in life and the cure for almost everything that ails us as a society. Um, I think it can be challenging to make a gratitude adjustment and to have an attitude of gratitude because I think a lot of us get in our heads of like, okay, gratitude is something I do on Thanksgiving, right? Like I tell you what I'm thankful for on Thanksgiving, check. Or I keep a gratitude diary. Listen, bless you if that works for you. I love the concept of a gratitude diary. Absolutely love it. I can't do it. I've never kept it up for more than a day because it feels like homework. It feels like one more thing I need to do and I can't keep it up. So the way I practice gratitude 
um, is, is sort of a fun filtered version. I asked myself and I asked my family, what made you say yay today? And it's a way to pause to appreciate the good in the life, the good in the day, because there's always good. But just by simple act of saying, hey, what made you say yay today? Okay, and maybe that is the daffodils on Daffodil Hill are blooming. Yay! It just made me smile. Maybe it's, whoa, the sun rises now at 5.53, which means I can go for an outdoor run before everyone is up. Yay! Right? I'm pausing to appreciate good in my day. I'm practicing gratitude. It just doesn't feel so homeworky. And and we're, we're able to keep that practice up more readily. And and my kids knowing that they're going to have to report back makes them more conscious throughout the day to collect those goods. Because that's really what it is about, collecting good throughout the day. There's a lot that people aspire to do, especially as ambitious college students. But so many of us run out of steam when life wears us down. How do you maintain your energy to make the most of every day? I'm constantly creating momentum Um, because when you feel like you run out of steam, it's because you got stuck. Um, And I think when you feel stuck or, or drained, you just have to create momentum. And I think the best way to create momentum is by being where you are instead of, you know, thinking two weeks out, one month out, one year out, where am I going to be when I graduate? What am I going to, what's going to be my mid? What am I going to, what's going to be my first? No, what, what can I do today? What can I do right here, right now to inch forward, to get unstuck, to create momentum? Life is about momentum, creating movement. You know, that action step is what creates your happiness and your success. And the your fully charged life is a toolkit for that. I'm going to give you simple, simple strategies like make your damn bed because people who make their bed are 84% more productive in the course of a day. That small sense of accomplishment first thing in the morning can be the ultimate springboard for a really kick-ass day. Okay, so make your damn bed. See what happens. I talk about something in the book called dopamine dressing. Dress the way you want to feel. I was a theater major, and I always say this, like I wouldn't have stepped on stage playing a nurse in a fireman's costume. How are you approaching life? How are you dressing for life? It's not dress for the job you want. Dress for the life you want. Are you going to a funeral? Are you going to a party? How can your wardrobe with that embodied cognition, impact your mood. You're going to see me in bright colors and lightning bolts because you know what? It absolutely charges me. And that looks different for everybody. You don't have to be a walking emoji. Um, You know, for my husband, it just means he wears fun socks. And that's his little bit of yay, his little bit of a lightning bolt charge. He's cool and, and happy from the ankle down. Like, what does that look like for you? Maybe it's a statement earring. Maybe it's like, you know, but it's something that lifts your mood, dress up to feel up. It's little things like that. I've got endless little strategies and I want you to roll your eyes at some and then I want you to adopt some and then report back because something that small could be your game changer. I've had around 20 incredible leaders on this podcast since January. And one thing is clear, so much of their success is the result of changing their mindset and approaching things just a little differently than the rest of us. What are some quick tips people can take to reroute their thinking to become more positive? Sure. So there's, I talk about a lot about cognitive reappraisal in the book, which is just reframing what's lame. And that is simple things like changing your have tos to get tos, which is another sneaky way of practicing gratitude. So instead of thinking like, 
oh, I have to go to class today. It's like, no, 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 no. You get to, you get to go to class. Like you get to have enough money to pay for college to get to go to a class where I have to work out. No, 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 no. You don't have to. You freaking get to because you're healthy. You know, when I had COVID and and was like laying in bed and couldn't stand up, it was like the day I finally got to go out and go for a run again, it was like, I get to do this. I get to be healthy again. I get to go for a run. So it's it's a lot of little tweaks like that. And a lot of um, people who are reading my book want a cheat sheet. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's something. I got to make a cheat sheet of of some of these little cognitive reappraisal tips and tricks. I mean, it's, it's a lot of things like changing a a why, you know, a why me, woe is me to a why not me. And understanding that if this is happening to you, why not you? What's what's the why and the purpose in this? I, I talk, tell a story about a, a young woman who had a brain tumor and she was in her 20s and she had the sickest attitude ever. Instead of saying, why me? Why did I get a brain tumor? She, she changed it to a why not me? Okay, I'm on my parents' insurance. I, uh, you know, I don't have kids in a mortgage. I am otherwise healthy, and I can beat this. And then I can show people how, you know, like strength and resilience. And and she like rocked a brain tumor because she changed her why me to a why not me and empowered herself with purpose. There's very few things in life that we actually have to do. This is your life. You're creating it. You get to do these things. You're the architect of this. So think about what you get to do versus what you have to do. No matter what our outlook is on life, things don't always work out. I'd love to hear how you personally deal with failure or rejection. Um, I let it sting. I let it hurt for a hot second, right? Because I think that's the thing is I'm not toxically positive. I don't just look on the bright side. I look on all the sides And I absolutely acknowledge when things hurt, when things suck, um, when things are not okay. I just don't linger too long. So if I have a a big loss or something really hurts, I I take that pause. I take that moment to take it in and to own it and to acknowledge how bad it sucks. But then I rely on my toolkit. Um, And I have a lot of different tools in my toolkit and I use different tools at different times. So there are certain things that I know work without a doubt. Um, You know, in the health charge chapter, I talk a lot about moving your body and protecting your sleep and how important those things are. If you are not on a sleep schedule and you are not protecting your sleep, it's impossible to weather hard times. It just is. We need consistent, solid sleep. And so I will do things like sleep train. Um, You know, I go to bed at 1017 and I wake up at 503 without an alarm because I have you know, programmed my circadian rhythms. At the beginning of the pandemic, I was sleeping till seven because I didn't have to get on a train and go to New York or any of the things. And guess what? I was dragged with two extra hours of sleep. I was dragging and I was, and I was languishing and I felt like ass, frankly. So, but why? Oh, because I was out of my sleep rhythm. Right. And so when I know that I need to, do I need to tweak my sleep? Am I not moving enough? Am I not moving my body? Am I not getting fresh air? Because all of these things are scientifically proven to help you bust out of a rut. Okay, so I got to move my body. Am I not being social enough? Do I need to pick up the phone and call my sister? Do I miss people? Um, Do I need to make a mom play date, right? Like, do I need to see other humans? Like, where am I struggling? 
And does it mean I didn't make my bed? Do I need fresh flowers in my house? You know, all that great Harvard research about the, you know, the power of fresh flowers to ease anxiety and, and boost your mood. Maybe I just need to buy myself some damn flowers or get some scissors and go pick them in the park. Like, where is it that I'm struggling and where can I pull those tools out? That's the cool part of what, I, what I'm proud about at the book is it is absolutely not a happiness handbook or a happiness guide. It's a happiness toolkit. And so I'm going to give you lots of different tricks and tips and strategies. They're all based in positive psychology and neuroscience, but fun filtered with real life examples. And some of them are going to stick and you're going to put them in your toolkit. And when you feel drained and you feel hopeless or you're languishing, it's my new favorite word. I loved that New York Times article about languishing. I love giving a name to your pain. Um, you know, you're, you're going to know which tools are going to work for you in that moment. And finally, what's some actionable advice that our listeners can apply to their lives starting today? Well, that's the key. I mean, I'm a tip machine. I've got 932 tricks and tips and strategies for each one of you. I, I just not, don't know what will be your secret sauce yet. And so my, my best advice is to create momentum and do one thing to create that momentum, whether that means you make your bed, you buy yourself flowers, you dress the way you want to feel, you practice gratitude by simply asking yourself what made you say yay today. You smile at a stranger. You use a name tag as a gift and engage a cashier, right? Do one thing to create momentum. And if people wanted to learn more about you and get their daily dose of joy, where can they follow you? So I'm pretty busy on Instagram. I love Instagram. It's just such a fun way to connect with people. That's at Begin B. Murphy with all the letters, M-E-A-G-H-A-N B. Murphy. Um, I have a podcast called Off the Gram with a couple of wellness influencers, and, and we're part of Dr. Oz, the Oz Tube Network. I've got that magazine I was talking about, Woman's Day, which is uh, 18 million total audience. We've been number one on the newsstand. And that is a really joyful, fully charged uh, magazine. I took over at the beginning of lockdown as editor-in-chief and, and have just made it a party on every page. Um, and then I have the book, which I am super proud of, Your Fully Charged Life, which is available on Amazon, wherever books are sold. Um, a lot of people like the audio version. They'll go like running or walking with me, which I think that the concept of that is so fun because the audible, the backstory on the audible is I had COVID and they almost had to have a narrator do the, the audible for me. And I was like, over my dead body, unless it's Drew Barrymore, that's not okay. Um, <laughs> and so like I was 16 days out of a COVID diagnosis, like half dying recording the book. And you can't tell because I was my mental muscle was so strong. I was so determined in that moment. I could chat with you all day. But Megan, thank you for all that you do to make this world just a little bit happier and teaching us to bring our best selves to every moment. Yay. <laughs> I say that a lot. My husband says that we should make it a drinking game. <laughs> it's the same way we started the show. It's a good way to end it. <laughs> I encourage everyone to grab a copy of Megan's new book, Your Fully Charged Life, a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. Just follow the links in the description below. We'll see you all back here again next week for Motivational Mondays. Motivational Mondays.